Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We are in a series, it's a family series that we've entitled Rooms to Grow. Rooms to grow. How many of you have discovered that in your life there is room to grow? Turn to your neighbor and say, I have not arrived. Still got some growing to do. As, here's the good news as God grows you, then He enlarges the capacity for you to bless your family. As strength comes to you, it is translated into strength for your family. And we believe that at Healing Place Church, that strong families produce a strong church. I believe that God wants to use the church in the earth today to make a difference. And so we kicked off this series last week, if you were here. What we're doing is we're taking a, this, this metaphor of a house and we're look, looking at it room by room. And last week, if you remember, we did a little look into the living room. And we talked about the culture of your home. Remember, we, we studied an Old Testament guy named Obed-Edom. Remember o Obed? We talked about the ark of God's presence. And when God's presence is, is in the center of your home, how, how the rest is blessed. And so today, I want to move from the living room into the kitchen. Okay, so here we go. Let's take a little deep dive into the kitchen. We're going we're gonna to investigate some things about the kitchen that will help us as we learn together, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see what those creative bunch do? You see what they do? Yeah, every week they're gonna put a little something in the house. How many know that they, they, they baiting us with Chick-fil-A when we know it's not even open on Sunday? Come on, somebody. How you like that? But I just believe with the power of Polynesian being released in every home, so you got a Bible on the table. You got, man, that makes me want a 12-count nuggets. Come on, somebody. We're going to look into the kitchen, and we're going to learn some things about family that I think is going to help us today. I just love food. I love food. I could talk about this. Man, of all the rooms in the house, this is probably my favorite room. And I'm going to show you this culturally and then also specifically. But did you know that food is like the centerpiece of our lives? And all of God's people said, yeah, for some of you, eating is a spiritual gift. Come on, somebody. And we're just releasing you into the fullness of that gift. Did you know, here's my observation. I think food is connected to every happy moment we experience. Think about it. You had somebody graduate recently. What do you do? You go eat. You know, somebody has a birthday. Come on, listen. And even if you're on a diet and it, you're celebrating somebody's birth, you, you can't disrespect the birthday boy or birthday girl. Bring the ambrosia cake here. Calories don't count when you're celebrating birthdays. Come on. And then all these baby dedications. Listen, I know you families have already coordinated where you're going to eat after this. In fact, I get it. When I'm up here preaching and I'm trying to put food in your spirit, you're texting each other, already talking about what's for lunch. Come on, are you with me? Every happy moment is connected to food. Every sad moment is connected to food. Think about it. You lose a family member or a loved one. Somebody's bringing over a meal. 
you've had surgery, you're recovering in the hospital. Guess what? Food coming to your house helps to bring healing to a body. Every happy moment is connected to food. Every sad moment is connected to food. (laughs) Every moment in between is connected to food. Food makes me happy. I've discovered this about myself, that my attitude is directly proportional to my food intake. Can I get a witness? There is a term called hangry. When you're hungry, you get angry. One of my favorite phrases is, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Listen, I'll tell you this. I have no shame. If you invite me to your house for lunch, I will walk up into your kitchen, open your fridge, and I'll just check it out. I'll get up in your pantry. How many know you can tell a lot about somebody by checking out their pantry? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I, I'm in. I am all in. Now, listen, I, I, I live clean. I, I, I don't, and I, I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not into the, some of those things. But I love to eat. Food is so important to me. I love pasta. That's why they call me Pasta Mike. <laughs> I'm teasing. That was cheesy, wasn't it? See, even when describing our jokes, we use food. That was cheesy. I love it. Hey, have you ever been, this is how we do it in South Louisiana. Have you ever been eating breakfast thinking about lunch? You ever been out to dinner with some friends and while you're having a great meal, you're talking about other restaurants that you love too? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Smells. How many of you love waking up in the morning and you can smell breakfast being made in the kitchen? smelling bacon bacon when it fries and sizzles it's almost like giving itself a standing ovation it just sounds like it's cheering for itself love it we have channels that are dedicated to food it's called the food network how many watch the food network how many of you love watching other people prepare food and then it makes you hungry or it gives you ideas of what you can do in the kitchen there's a term now called foodies Foodie, are you familiar with that? How many foodies do we have in the house? Yeah, these are people who not only love to eat, they love to study what they're eating, and they're the the, the connoisseurs of, of, of food. You know, some of our best memories are in the kitchen. Some of our best memories are, are when we gather around the table. And I want to read out of Luke 22 this morning and talk to you about one of the most famous meals that Jesus shared with his disciples. And I think from this meal, we can take a lot away when it comes to nourishing our homes, our children, our spouses, and those in our lives. Look with me at Luke 22, verse 7. The Bible says this. Now, the, the festival of unleavened bread arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, interesting, I think what we're going to do in the future, we're going to do a series on the different feasts in the Bible. Leviticus 23 gives us seven festivals or feasts. And many of these festivals center around not only observing what God has done for the nation of Israel, but enjoying a meal and reflecting on the goodness of God. Notice what it says here. During the time that the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead, and this is what he said. Go and prepare the Passover meal. Somebody say, prepare. Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Jesus replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, 
Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Verse 12, he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. Somebody say prepare. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And that's powerful right there. I want you to know everything God says he will do. If he promises it, if he speaks it, he will accomplish it. And that's important for us because we live in an information age when there's so much noise and a lot of opinions and everybody has something to say. You can take what God says to the bank. You can build your life on it. The Bible says they found everything just as Jesus had said and they prepared the Passover meal there. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now, let me unpack this because, again, this is probably familiar territory to most of us. This is the, the Last Supper. This is where Jesus is sharing some of his final moments before he was to go to the cross and be crucified. But I want you to notice in that passage, in that set of scriptures, four different times Jesus uses the word prepare. If you're taking notes, I want to give you simple thoughts as we learn together in the kitchen. Number one, write down the word preparation. Preparation. Everybody say preparation. Kitchen, the kitchen is where meal prep is done. Now, if you're like me, you like to show up and just eat. If you invite me over to your house for lunch, I'm coming. But I pray that the time that I get there is about the time you're pulling those bread rolls out the oven. Come on, somebody. You know, we talk about enjoying a great meal, but a great meal doesn't come without meal preparation. Can I say this? Great families don't just happen. They take work. Come on, somebody say work. There's a lot of sweating up in the kitchen. The kitchen is not only a place where families gather, but it's also the space where work has to be done. I've heard it said, we even sang about it this morning, about how God feeds the birds of the air. I love that. God takes care of every bird. You know, God may feed the birds of the air, but how many know he doesn't just dump the worms in the nest? The bird's got to get up. Come on, somebody. Got to rise and shine. He's got to hustle and grind. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. God brings provision, but it comes with preparation. There's a part that we play in this. I think this is so important. You know, I've heard it said that we never rise to the level of our potential we fall to the level of our preparation. You see the difference? Now, all of us have potential, and thank God for potential. But you're not going to rise to your potential. You're going to fall to the level of your preparation. And when it comes to families, when it comes to what God is doing in your family, I want you to be prepared. I want you to put in the work necessary. Now, now we all want great families. How many of you want a great family? Only three of you do? <laughs> okay. Somebody like, man, I already got a great family. Okay, well, how did it get to be so great? Okay, if you want a great family, let me see your hand. You want a great, that's a, that's a dream in your heart. I, desire. I want my family to be great. We want great families. We know that we need great families. But I want to tell you this. You don't get the family you want. You get the family you build it requires some personal investment. It requires something from each one of us. 
You know, the problem isn't in knowing how to dream big, but the problem is knowing how to start small. You got to start small. You got to work with what you have. You got to do the little things and then trust God to take care of the big things. See, great families are the direct result of a thousand small choices. A lot of small things that we do day after day after day. You know, the kitchen reminds us that work must be done. And my prayer for you, we talked about this last Sunday, but if you take this three-month challenge, I believe that God can do something significant in your life and in your family if you'll put in the work necessary. The kitchen teaches us that it's a place not only of feasting, but it is a place of labor. Uh, Now, we all have different dietary needs, but I want to tell you this. Here's the staple. When it comes to nourishing your family, you and I, we need God's word. Got to have the scriptures, man. We got your soul longs for truth that's found in this book. You know, and and part of my responsibility as your pastor is to create an appetite inside of you that you will long for the things of God. How many of you get cravings at the weirdest moments? Some of you that are maybe on a diet and you've done well all day. You start the day focused and, man, you're in the box. And, man, you're counting the calories or counting the points. Or, man, you've done your intermittent fasting. You're watching the clock. And, then man, the day grows on. And then b- before you go to bed, how many of you, your, your stomach will talk to you? Man, you, you hear this little whisper that says, hey, over here in the pantry. <laughs> Do they still have like those, those uh, 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 well, I, don't, I can't even think what you call them now. Hostess used to make those like little cupcake, little hostess cupcakes. Yeah. And then what's the, uh, babe, what's the little, uh, the, the yellow, it's kind of the yellow cake stuff with the cream filling. Twinkies. How many of you were raised on Twinkies? Oh, Lord. Yeah. When you hear that craving and it's coming from the pantry and it's in the box that says Twinkies. You're like, you're trying to fight it, but there's something inside of you that just draws you irresistibly. Gotta have a Twinkie. I pray that your spirit says, hey, ah, truth, scripture, consume it. I want you to have a hunger for the things of God. And I want your soul to be nourished. Listen, you can feed your belly, but don't neglect your soul. When it comes to preparation and, and the diet of God's word, you know what? You have to consume it yourself you got to feed yourself well pastor that's what that's what you do that's why I came to church you know so that that you could feed me the script you know what if you ate once a week how many of you you wouldn't even be here if you ate once a week if you ate once a day you'd be upset Man, we cannot just nourish our soul. We can't feed our soul one time. Pastor, that's your job. I don't even have to bring my Bible. You know what? You put the scripture up on the screens for me. Oh, oh, can I tell you this? You owe it to yourself to read the Bible for yourself. And if you have a craving for truth, you can find everything that your soul wants right here in this book. You know, consume it yourself, but then also make it personal. You know, the problem with, if we don't bring our Bible to church, then we don't get to mark in our Bible. You know, how, how many of you, you, you mark in the scriptures? Okay. Do you know there are some people, and I talk to some people, who have such a revere for the word of God. 
that they don't even read it. You know, it's just something maybe we put on the coffee table. There it is. There's the good book. <laughs> well, that good book's not doing you any good unless you get in the book. Some people have such a respect for the word of God, they, they never read it. And they're like, what do you mean, pastor? You want me to write in the Bible? I couldn't do something like that. How many of you, you highlight in the Bible? How many have multiple colors in your highlighting? Yeah, some of you artsy people are feeling really empowered right now. Yes. Can I tell you this? There's something happening when you mark in your Bible. Watch this. When you mark your Bible, your Bible starts to mark you. And it's not the markings that you put in your word. It's how God's word puts a marking on your soul. In the kitchen, we realize we got to have an appetite for the things of God. We have to consume it ourselves. We have to make it personal. And then listen, speak God's word to and over your family. Speak the word of God to your family and over your family. I told you last week some of the practices that we've embraced as our kids were growing up. Uh, one of the things I love is to take my son to school. Now two of my kids are out of school and, and they drive and so they're on their own, but I still have Trevor. And so he, he's the caboose and he's going into the eighth grade and I've got a 25-minute drive to school. And when I take him to school, guess what? I have a captive audience. And guess what I'm speaking to Trevor as we're going to school? speaking the word. I'm saying, boy, listen, you're going to fight some battles today. I'm going to dress you right now in the full armor of God. Ephesians 6.10, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand every attack of the enemy. Trevor, you got the helmet of salvation. That helmet guards your, your mind and your thoughts. You have the breastplate of righteousness and that body armor, it protects your heart and your spirit. You've got the shield of faith to block every fiery dart of the enemy. You've got the sword of the spirit to slice and dice the devil and cut him down to size. You've got the belt of truth and that belt, it holds up your dignity, your honesty, and your integrity. For shoes, you have the gospel of peace and those shoes will give you purpose and direction. But what good is all the armor without the warrior on the inside? You gotta have a warrior spirit. The Bible says in Psalm 144 verse one, bless the Lord who is my rock, who gives me strength for battle and skill for war. God bless you, son. Have a great day. Kick him out of the, the vehicle. He steps on that campus. Pow! That brother is ready for war. Now listen, parents, dress your kids in the armor of God until they learn to dress themselves. Come on. The kitchen teaches us how to be ready. There's some meal prep. Come on, somebody. There's some meal prep. There's some work to be done. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, you are as much serving God in training your own children as you would be if you led an army to battle for the Lord. Listen, these babies we dedicated on stage, these are kingdom kids. Man, we're equipping them. How many of you know there's a real battle going on in the earth today? And it's fighting for the soul, not just of this nation, but for the soul of this next generation. And as parents and grandparents and godparents, man, we've got to, we got to keep our kids ready, prepared. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. How many of you have ever said something to your kids and they start rolling their eyes because they've heard it before? 
How many of you, you rolled your eyes when your parents were telling you those things? Mom, if you said it once, you've said it a thousand, I know. Guess what? That stuff that they've repeated, it's still with us. The Bible says repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when when you're at home and talk about them when you're on the road, on the way to school. (laughs) Talk about them when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. God's word in you, God's word around you, God's word on you, God's word before you. Let's be families. Let's be homes that are meal prepped. Our kids are nourished with a strength that will sustain them in the battles that they fight today. Can I have a good amen? You know, the world is filled with fast food. (laughs) Fast food, junk food. How many know it's cheap and it's easy? But if you're going to eat healthy, it takes a little time and some sacrifice. Let's put in the time. Now, notice what it says here, verse 14. Picking up on this, this meal Jesus is sharing with the disciples. Verse 14, when the time came... Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, now this is very familiar. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Verse 19, and he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The first thing is preparation. First thing about the kitchen is preparation. But the second thing I want you to see is this. Notice what Jesus said as he was praying over the meal. He gave thanks. Number two, write down the word gratitude. Gratitude. You see, I think gratitude is probably the missing ingredient to a lot of family recipes. Gratitude, when gratitude is absent, things begin to break down. Isn't it interesting? The people that we should love the most, sometimes we treat the worst. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Come on, smile at me, smile at me, smile at me. There you go. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, were you in our car on the way to church today? (laughs) You know, those that we should love the most, we ought to treat the best. And I think Jesus is reminding us of gratitude. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I was counseling a married couple. They'd been married probably for over 30 years. And the kids were grown and gone, and they were having problems. It was like they were sitting across the table. They didn't even know who their spouse was. And in this conversation, the wife turned to me, and she said, Pastor Mike, you know, if I could be anything in the world, I would be a Waffle House waitress because my husband speaks so kindly to the Waffle House waitress. I just wish that he would speak to me like he speaks to them. Isn't it amazing how the people in your home, sometimes they get your worst? I mean, how we treat other people on the outside, is it the same of how we treat our spouse? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Okay, let me, let me tell on uh, pastors, okay? I'm going to stop messing with you. I'm going to get in my world, okay? I, I read this. Dr. Cho, uh, Paul Youngy Cho, used to pastor one of the largest churches in the world out of South Korea. His church was like a million and a half people, 
I mean, crazy. They were filling up stadiums. I mean, seven, eight, ten services on the weekend. They had cell group ministry and men just transforming an entire nation. He wrote a book on prayer. And Dr. Cho in that book said this. After one of the weekends had finished all of their services and administered to tens of thousands of people, he drove home and he pulls up in his driveway. And when he got out of his car, he sees his wife and his children and they're standing at the front door of the house and they have their bags packed, suitcases all around them. And he pulls up and he tells his wife, he says, baby, what are you doing? She said, well, we're moving. He said, well, where are you going? She said, the kids and I are moving to the church. She, he said, well, why are you moving to the church? She said, because we like the guy at the church more than the guy at the house. How many know she got his attention? Rachel, don't get any ideas. <laughs> but there's something to be said for who we are in public being the same as who we are in private. Come on. There's something to be said for being grateful and thankful, treating people right. I say this all the time, but I think my best disciples should have my last name. God forbid that I'm a success at church and I fail where it matters most. Come on, are you with me? The win has to start in the home. And gratitude is one of the key ingredients to a successful, strong family. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you said thank you to your spouse? Kids, when was the last time you thanked your parents? When was the last time you were just grateful? You know, I remember one time, and we got to be careful because as, as a kid growing up, you know, you just take things for granted. I remember there were friends when I was like seven, maybe sixth grade, sixth grade or seventh grade. My friends started to get an allowance. And so I thought, you know what? I can't believe my dad's been holding out on me. They get an allowance. I'm not getting allowed. My family doesn't appreciate me. I went home that day. I said, dad, it is time. Do you not see what I contribute to our home? I'm middle school kid. Listen, I bring tremendous value to this. All my friends are getting an allowance. Man, well, how come you've been holding out on me? My dad said, okay, I'm going to give you an allowance. Here, here's how it's going to work. You know that bed that you sleep in every night? My money paid for that bed. That's my bed. But I'm going to allow you <laughs> to sleep in my bed. What you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know... <laughs> You know those clothes that you're wearing? You like that shirt? You like those shoes? Oh, yeah, yeah. My money paid for that, too. Those are my clothes. I'm going to allow you to wear my clothes. I'm going to allow you to sleep in my bed. I'm going to allow you to wear my clothes. And Oh, yeah, take a, take a deep breath, son. That air you're breathing, it's mine, too. I was like, yes, sir, I got it. How I many you know sometimes we don't appreciate something until it's gone? Hey, let's talk about family. Let's get back to family for a second. Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. Remember what the prodigal said? Went to his dad, said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. When does a son get his inheritance? Somebody's got to die. What was he telling his dad? Dad, you were as good as dead to me. Some of you know the pain of conversations like this. Dad reluctantly gives his son the, the inheritance. And you know what happens. The boy runs as far away as he could go. He wants to go to a place where nobody knows him, and he ends up in Vegas. And there he is in Vegas with all this money, and he's spending it on wild parties and wild women until he has nothing. He has no money. He's got no friends, and he finds himself in a pig pen. And it was in that pig pen, the Bible says, he came to himself. 
And he said, you know what? I, and I think about it, for a Jewish boy to be working in a pig pen was the ultimate of humiliations. He found himself, well, watch this. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you have to enter your worst moments to get your best perspectives? He had to lose everything before he appreciated anything. Listen to me, church. Let's don't wait till we lose something to say thank you. Come on, let's be grateful. The boy said, I had it better back in my father's house. You know, the, the, the dad was trusting that there would be a pig pen to turn that boy around. And sometimes, come on, moms and dads, sometimes there's a thing called tough love. Parents, you know, we can't rescue our kids from every situation. We love them, we pray for them, and we got to trust the power of the Holy Spirit will one day bring them home. Thank you, gratitude, grateful. You see, so many people are chasing happiness and they never find it. But if you, were, if you will pursue gratitude, you'll be happy. Let me say this again. The happiest people I know are grateful people. But if you're chasing happiness, you're going to be miserable. Chase gratitude and you will be happy. Does that make sense? Jesus prayed. He prayed this prayer. He thanked God for the bread Thank God for the cup. Interesting how he had already multiplied bread when he fed the 5,000. He had already transformed the cup when he turned water into wine, yet he brought it back to the Father and he thanked him for it. Number one, preparation. Number two, gratitude. And let's finish this up. Number three, write down the word serving. Somebody say serving. Look at what it says here. Let's finish this up. Verse 24. Then, now this is right after the meal. Right after the meal. <laughs> they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Don't you find that funny? Jesus said, hey, I'm about to suffer. I'm about to die. I want to share this meal with you. Hey, that's great, Jesus, but we want to be great. We want to sit at your right and your left. We want to be the best. <laughs> I love that. I love that the scripture keeps it real. There's so much hope. If the disciples can argue over things like that, how many know that there's hope for us? Verse 25, Jesus told them, hey, whoa, 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 slow your roll, guys, slow your roll. In this world, kings and great men, they lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Somebody say different. Oh, listen, I pray that God puts a different spirit in your home. That your family is different in order to make a difference. We don't walk like, act like, talk like, think like, do like everybody else. Come on, somebody. We are, we are the people of God. Can I have a good amen? We are marked with the presence of God. Can I have a better amen? We have a higher calling. Can somebody help me this morning? Man, I don't want to look like the world, act like the world, think like the world. My kids are set apart. They are different. Jesus told his disciples, he said, among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Then he says this, who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, of course it's the one who sits at the table, but not here, for I among you, I am among you as one who serves. And here's the example of Jesus. He serves. If we'll commit to serving, we'll see God do great things in our home. If you'll commit to investing, preparation, gratitude, 
serve. It, these ingredients, I believe, are the recipe of a successful home and a strong family. Now, some of you may be here today, and you may be like, <laughs> my, my house doesn't look anything like this. And I get it. Because the truth is, sometimes a kitchen can be messy. I love the meal, <laughs> but sometimes you make a mess preparing the meal. Can I tell you this? God is not afraid to step into your mess. If you will invite the Lord into your kitchen, I think he can help clean up the things that you've messed up. It's called grace. Can I have a good amen? Amen. When you are a part of the family, when you say yes to Jesus, guess what you're met with? The grace of God. And that is the glue that holds families together. Amen. You receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.